welcome to another episode of TPA Tidbits. My name is Melissa Torito, and I am the host for this podcast. And today we have a very special guest, Donna Nichols, on my team. Say hey, Donna. Hey. So this is part of our Meet the Team series that we're doing over here at Sentinel because I've said this before, without the team, there would be no Sentinel. (laughs) Plain and simple. So Donna, we're just going to talk to you about what you do. But I want to know a little bit of background information on you, Donna. So (laughs) Donna and I have worked together since I've been at the firm um, over 12 years. She taught me a lot and still teaches me a lot. I have asked on a lot of questions. Um, so, but just really quick, are you from Louisiana? I'm originally from Baton Rouge. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So born and raised here. Yes. And now you're in Denham Springs. Yes. Okay. Um, prior to the firm, if you don't mind, what did you do? Cause you've been here for almost 20 years. Yeah. It's like, I don't, exactly. I don't know a Donna, not Ooh, at Sentinel. Goodness. <laughs> well, you see, um, I got married. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I moved with my husband out of Baton Rouge. So we moved like five times in 10 years. Oh, So we okay. went from Lake Charles to Carrollton, Texas, to Lufkin, Texas, to Slidell, Louisiana, Shreveport. So when we moved back here, I told Raymond, that's it. No more. I'm here. You go travel. I'm staying here. Okay. So, but I did a lot of temp jobs when we were moving. But before that, I worked at uh, a engineering firm okay. before we I got married. And I had to, once I got married, I had to quit my jobs. Okay. Okay. And move with Raymond. And move with Raymond. Okay. So now you're like, no, I'm staying here and yeah. you can go and work at these jobs exactly. out of state. Right. That's exactly right. I said, no more. Okay. So when you started here and when Donna started here, same with me, we were running our TPA practice under the name of Falk and Winkler, our CPA firm. But I don't think you were working in the 401k mm-hmm. area when you started here. So no. tell us a little bit about that. Like, how did you get here? <laughs> well, see, I used to work at a bank and the bank got uh, sold. Okay. And so I didn't want to stay working there. And a friend of mine, she was HR here. And she asked me to come work here. So I came and I interviewed with Bert. Okay. And then they offered me the job. And it was going to be uh, up front. Um, but then I kind of was turned into David's uh financial assistant for his financial clients. Plus, I did the tax returns assembly. I was working with tax and tax returns assembly. Um, And then uh, pension came about through uh, Christy and and David. They needed help. So I kind of got said, you know, wore a lot of hats. Let's put it that way. But when you first started here, so just to kind of update everyone. So right now, the firm has around 45 to 50 employees, Sentinel employees, you know, seven-ish to eight. I mean, how many employees were at the firm whenever you started? Uh, maybe 20. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're half the size. They just finished one of the new sections of the building. Yeah. This last section hadn't been. Okay. They were just finishing a section. So. Okay. So, you get recruited. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> to go into the pension area, the third-party administration, and just out of curiosity, because I, you know, I'm very um, open with people. Like I didn't know what I was doing when I first started here. Did you know what you no. were doing? It was you had nope. to kind of teach yourself along the way. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Okay. Um, so I guess you know one of the Donna handles. You still wear a lot of hats. If we're gonna. <laughs> Be honest, yes. okay? So she does handle, and primarily in terms of what your specialty is, it's our loans and distributions from participants' accounts, which is vital. I mean, because if we we have to be able to do that right, participants, as Donna knows, because she talks to them all day long, especially if there's a hardship situation or they're in some sort of a, a, a pinch, they need their money as quick as possible. 
but we also have to do it so that the plan remains in compliance, you know. So that is a very vital part of what we do. It also sets us apart from a lot of other TPA practices. So I guess, Donna, you know, we'll talk about your other your other hats that you wear. <laughs> but in terms of that, um, I just really don't know. I mean, how did you learn all of this information? Did, did you read? Did somebody, <laughs> did, I mean, I can't, no offense to David Winkler, I can't imagine him training you. <laughs> no, actually, uh, I did have a, a Relias manual I could read, okay. um, take a, one little course. Christy was a big help with training me. She okay. trained me in a lot of, okay. uh, of aspects of pension. Um, then it was just learn as you go, read regs, read things, and um, keep up with things. Yeah, and they are still changing. Yes. Let's not even talk yes. about the CARES Act. Yeah. We're all traumatized from the yes. CARES Act. Okay, so I guess on a day-to-day basis, just out of curiosity, how many participants would you say you talk to or correspond with, even through email? Oh, geez. Um, I would say at least seven to eight um, and follow up with follow-ups and phone calls, I would say, um, on a normal day. I mean, there's some busier days and there's some slower days, mm-hmm. but I'd say we... As a group, yeah, we have quite a few participants. Yeah. But in addition to that, you also talk to plan sponsors who have questions, you know, when an employee goes and asks them a question, right? And so Correct. they're they're reaching out to you as for a resource. Right, because they need help with their pay files or they need help with um, participant questions or they need help with uh, various items that, yeah, they contact us for that. So what would you say is a one of the more common questions that you get? Can I have my money? I want my money. <laughs> I need my money. <laughs> would you say when you explain sometimes, because I know whenever I first started here, I would take some of those calls. And, you know, some people just really, even business owners, they just really don't know some of the restrictions from being able to take money from a 401k plan. And so, you know, in most of the time you have to be terminated. And by the way, Terminated does not mean that you have been fired. It just means I've said that before, and somebody was like, "I didn't, I wasn't fired." I'm like, "No, isn't, that's you know, maybe it's a little too technical of a term that we use. Just means that you're no longer employed. You can be age 59 and a half to take an in-service distribution." But I really do think that some people think, "Well, that's my money, and even if I'm 31, I should be able to take it." So, just out of curiosity, when you explain that to someone, how often does it? go over well and does the person seem like they understand it versus like they just don't understand that that's even a rule that it even exists majority of them don't believe it they don't believe they, it they, they want their money they want their money they don't understand it and you have to send them the documents showing what the plan allows you you try everything you can and you have to put yourself in their shoes because if they don't know anything about 401ks and they're just putting their money in it you have to realize yeah i can understand their confusion but it, yeah most of them still don't get it yeah, and it's probably not explained necessarily on the front end, right? You know, because most of the time when you're onboarding a new employee, you're trying to get them to, these employers are trying to get them to participate in the plan, you know, and there's all of these ins and outs or whatever. So um, can let's talk a little bit about hardship distributions because Donna, Donna knows a lot about hardship distributions, which can be very very confusing. And I think one of the things I want to talk about is what we just recently ran into with Hurricane Ida. But before that, do all employers have to offer hardship distributions to be taken from their plan? No. No. Optional. And that's 
always kind of a fun conversation when a participant wants to take a hardship, but they're, it's not offered in the plan, you know, and so that is, that is um, optional. Uh, what are some of the circumstances for somebody, if hardships are allowed, for somebody to be able to take a hardship distribution? Uh, a lot of times people, it's to, to pay their mortgage because mm-hmm. they're in threat of foreclosure eviction. Then there's medical bills and purchase a primary residence. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also for uh, casualty damage to home, mm-hmm. funeral expenses. Uh, now we have the um, not, uh, federally dis- declared uh, the disaster, disaster area. Yeah, so everything's a mouthful. Uh, hardship yeah. for that for expenses, um, which we're working on clarifying on that. Um, was there any? Did I miss any? Uh, secondary education? Oh, secondary education, yeah. So sometimes I feel like they're pretty straightforward, Mm -hmm. right? You know, um, we do ask for documentation. We think that is important because you really can't take a hardship. You cannot take more than what you need for a hardship, right? I mean, I feel like Donna's had calls where people want to buy a boat and we're like, yeah, it doesn't qualify as a hardship. But the latest and greatest, especially with Hurricane Ida, you know, we got some pretty, and we always, I feel like we always get this when there's a natural disaster, even with or without COVID, you know, people are trying to get access to their money. Because disasters do happen. You know, they have damage to their house. You know, um, they might not have had flood insurance and their house flooded. So one of the the expansions on the hardships was basically expenses associated with the disaster. But there's no clarification as to which expense it's talking about, right? Right. That piece of legislation is talking about. So, um what did we decide about? What what did we interpret about generators? Well, if they have their documentation, I've learned more on that. Uh, I know someone that tried to get, get his generator reimbursed, but you also have to be applying with FEMA for assistance alone. You can't just apply for your generator to get reimbursed. Gotcha. Okay. So we just learned that one. Of course, it was supposed to be purchased after the hurricane. So if you have your receipt... And it's in the time span, you know, you got it for the hurricane. Uh, that would be applicable the, for a generator. Yeah. Um, if you have your gas receipt and the gas was bought in that time span uh, before, right before the hurricane, then that's fine. That should be applicable. Yeah. Uh, we have people that their food, they lost their food in the refrigerator. They had to go get some food. That's possible. Yeah. So. And, and why do we, and, and again, we at Sentinel, we've got some internal practices and procedures and policies that we are going to abide by, right? So why is it so important for us to obtain this documentation? Why do we need to obtain the documentation? Well, we need to make it valid. Correct. We have to keep the plan compliant. <laughs> we can't just, you know, it can't be a credit card bill just to pay your credit card because of it's a bill. So. And that's and that's one thing that I do want to stress to our plan sponsors is that most people understand that we are here to follow the rules. We don't make the rules, but we're here to follow the rules. But if you do not, the, the distributions and even the loans, all of this is under code sections in the IRS. And if you do not follow that rule, that distribution might be deemed a non-qualified distribution, which would then disqualify the entire plan. So it's serious stuff, you know, and so that's why when somebody calls, and Donna has to hold her ground. Yeah. She's got 
Sorry. <laughs> I hate to say no, but you know, you have to sometimes. Well, just because we never want to put the plan at yeah. risk, you know. And so Donna's role, like I said, is vital because one mishap, you know, if we don't make sure that we're crossing our T's and dotting our I's, which is what we're being paid to do, we could run into an issue as well, you know. Um, the loans are a little bit easier just in terms of um, having access to money. But again, a loan is an optional provision. Employers do not have to allow it. And let me ask you this. When do you feel like, what time of year do you feel like most people start taking loans? Oh, Christmas time yeah. for Christmas and for uh, school. Some take, uh, you know, t- for tuition and for school. But Christmas, definitely. People yeah. start And vacation time. People want to go on that Disney cruise. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of thing, the rule for the loans, if it's allowed, it's 50% of your vested balance. And then the employer can tweak what accounts can come out and how many loans that you can have and stuff like that. But another thing that I think people get confused about is that that's great that you just took the loan out of the plan tax-free. What happens if you don't pay it back? Oh, it's taxable income. It's taxable income. And there are a lot of people that are very surprised about that. I feel like they don't. You sign a promissory note with a loan. Yeah, you're not buying a house, but you're signing a note that's basically committing to paying back the loan. I mean, I feel like we've had questions sometimes. They're like, oh, I just don't really want to pay it back. Well, it's not optional to pay it back, you know. And, and another point with loans is that you're t- if you take it out of your pre-tax money, when it comes out of your paycheck, it's coming out after tax. Right. So you're paying it back after tax tax back into your plan into pre-tax source yeah yeah so you know there's some arguments you know we set up plans you know some plan sponsors want um the participants to be able to access their money if there's an emergency one of the things that i see and i'm just being very blunt and honest is that participants can abuse the loan provision oh yes oh yes especially with refinancing they look that they they have a tendency to look at it, and I'm and I'm you know obviously I'm summarizing here, but they have a tendency to look at it more as a, the retirement plan more as a savings account, you know, um, you know, and the IRS really hasn't put other than some of the dollar amounts and the percentage that you can take hasn't put that many strict requirements on being able to take money out of the plan. Um, but yeah, you can have leakage from the plan from there. And so if the participant can't pay back, well, then it becomes taxable, but the money's still not in the plan and it's not growing and it's not, you're not saving for retirement if it's not in the plan, you know? And so we do have a lot of our employers that allow hardships, but don't allow loans. But I'd say what, 50% of, at least 50% of our plans allow loans. I think so. Yeah. And I'm just going to put this out here. I highly, um, do not recommend having more than one loan available to employees because then again, all they're going to keep doing is probably taking some loans out, you know? And so it just, it's just my opinion kind of defeats the purpose of a retirement plan. Oh yeah. Cause we just processed this lady's 12th loan. Yeah. So it's, it's a and keep in mind, 12th loan, which means you have 12 payments every pay period coming out of somebody's paycheck. So I just think, you know, I think a lot of business owners are like, well, our employees will use it when they're in a pinch, when there's an emergency, you know, when they absolutely need cash because they're paying it back to themselves. They're paying the interest back to themselves. But back to your point on the taxes, you know, there's some consequences there. So I just think people really need to be careful before putting those into the plan. Yes. Um, Okay. So that's Donna's one hat. The other, the other, uh, function 
I'm really struggling with words today. <laughs> her other function, that sounds like you're a robot. It's okay. <laughs> Some days I feel but like Donna it. also is very paramount when it comes to, um, and this really isn't going to help plan sponsors, but then this is just highlighting what Donna does for our team when it comes to our billings and Sentinels financials. So we do keep a separate set of books for financials. I told Donna when she retires, I'm going to need like a crash course. 101 um, and all of our billings, you know, and it is, I you know, that's a lot, right? Yeah. The billings are a lot. Yeah. It could be time consuming at times. Yeah. And so unlike the rest of the CPA firm, which is really an engagement and you build a client or you build a client up front or you might have a monthly engagement, we're getting revenue from various sources. And we say this and it's all disclosed, but we've got record keepers we're getting revenue from, participants that we're receiving. There's a fee when you process the distribution. And all there's we have looked into like, is there a way to really streamline this? And it's just, it's just taking the time to post all those payments within our system to keep up with them. Also monitoring our reasonableness of fees and what we're charging um, to our clients. So about what is the percentage of time, would you say, is dedicated to that function, to the bookkeeping and the bills? Uh, I would say 30% of my time. Okay. 30 to 40% of my time is to billing and accounting. That's big. That's a big chunk. Yeah, it's a big chunk. Okay. And then... You know, you're doing the loans and distributions, but you've also been, for the past probably, oh, Donna, I'm going to lose track of time, uh, six-ish years, we've probably had an intern at some particular point, and Donna's... And God bless them. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> they come in eager beavers, right? That's but they right. really, you know, the one of the, the things I've always told interns is that you have to know how to process a loan or distribution, or you're it's going to be really difficult to have a conversation with the client. Like, you've got you to know how to do that. Um, you gotta know the rules behind it because you don't want to tell somebody the wrong thing or process something incorrectly. Correct. So you do. I would say even now, you know, because we still have some newer team members, you probably spend ten to fifteen percent of your time training them. I do do some training. Yes, do. she does. No, she does a lot of training. She does a lot. She does all of the training I don't do, <laughs> which, I is, which is in the best interest of every team member, uh, because we do work with a lot of vendors, probably twenty. All of them handle this information. I mean, handle their processing a little bit differently. And so, yeah, when one comes up, we have a certain internal policy that um, any distribution over $100,000 comes through our desk because we've got my desk because we've got, you know, we've sat through countless webinars on participant security and it's, I think it's made us all want to crawl into a hole. You exactly. Know? <laughs> uh, it's very scary. So we've had to really tighten up our procedures and I'll have to go to Don and be like, okay, it's this record keeper and I don't know what I need to do. <laughs> How do we process you know? it? How do I, what do I, I do not want to screw this up. So, um, so I guess Donna, what would you say on a day-to-day basis? What do you like about your job? Because you've done it for quite a long time. Well, I like my coworkers. First of all, we have a great team. We have a good team. We have a really good team. Everybody works together. Everybody can ask anybody a question. Uh, Like the company. The company's great here. Um, You know, sometimes these participants, they really need someone to help them. And I don't, and I like that. Yeah. I like being there for them. Uh, Like I said before, you have to put yourself in their shoes thinking about it. Because when I first started pension, I didn't have a clue. I'm in those shoes with them. So uh, just being able to be helpful for someone, I think that's a great asset here at the office. Yeah. And, and it goes back to your point. Most people don't know, which is yeah. what, you know, they just don't know. And yeah. so 
Uh, not everybody's receptive to the rules, but I do think at the end of the day, the way that Donna explains it and the fact that she's very patient with everyone, she's very, um, you're almost maternal, <laughs> you know? You feel like that sometimes. Yeah, with our team members and with these participants. And so um, I think at the end of the day, they appreciate that and they probably learned something from it, you know? So if they are leaving one job and going to another, they have some idea of the rules and what they can do and rolling over and all of the, all of those types of things. So, um Donna, thank you so much for oh, being you're welcome. This here. Was fun. We just kind of surprised her with a little, <laughs> little interview. Uh, but all of Donna's information is on our website at www.choosesentinel.com. Um, and we do have a very gener- generic um, email address that we handle uh, all of our loans, distributions, very general inquiries at 401k at choosesentinel.com. So thanks everyone for being here. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. And hope everybody has a great week.